definitely had no idea uh, that I was going to end up doing this. I had no idea when I left school what I wanted to do at all. Um, I went to university three years late. I initially was supposed to do English at university. By the time I got to university, I was doing botany. Like that was a useful thing. It wasn't, <laughs> and I wasn't great at it. Um, nobody in my family had been to university, although my mum and my sister went to teach training college. And oh, wow. one thing I knew I didn't want to do was teacher training. So uh, I knew what I didn't want to do. I didn't know what I did want to do. Um, and then um, I got pregnant with my little boy when I was in my early to mid twenties. And it was Thatcher's Britain and I was pregnant. And that was kind of in a way a godsend because I did have a partner, luckily, so he was, you know, able to keep me, although I was and was frying chips in the local pub as well to kind of make ends meet. But what it meant was um, that I could concentrate on thinking what I really did want to do. And I did a course in uh, journalism and I got into this via journalism. I also wasn't living in London at the time, which I think is a real bonus because I think that you can be quite a big fish in a small pond if you get to know your local I've heard that radio. a lot you know that more and more of a thing now that I know a thing is still very London centric but you know you can hone in your sort of contacts in smaller communities like you know, Definitely. Manchester and all that. you know I playwrights in the local theatres and I went in through local radio and you know then through local radio started doing national radio and then a few years later I got a job as a producer nationally and moved to London and was producing on a program at that point called Loose Ends which at that stage did a, had a lot of comedy in it, in, in it. Yeah. and I realised that comedy was where I wanted to be and you know I was kind of at one point I realised I was being paid to have ideas which was effectively being paid to look out of the window and think and it was it was such a luxury and yeah. so brilliant and at that time all that that program wanted was stuff from a different angle a different point of view think differently think outside the box what makes this funny and you know one Christmas I took Michael Winner along to direct a children's uh, nativity play at school and it was that kind of just crazy little thing that was and people like, I don't know, Jonathan Ross and Stephen Fry and loads of people were contributing. Um, and I did that for a few years and then I moved into television. And initially it was kind of those same sort of shows, entertainment type, comedy entertainment type shows. And then um, went to Edinburgh for the first time. I mean, I was already kind of like, you know, late 20s by this point, but mm. went to Edinburgh for my first time ever couldn't believe how brilliant it was and came back thinking actually that's really what it is it's all about scripted comedy yeah. and from there that is what I have done uh, in radio and in television um, moving between the two fairly you know fairly fluidly and my company now develops radio and television funny um, bones. comedy scripted comedy shows funny but bones, but prior to that 2005 won a BAFTA and was made European Comedy Producer of the Year for a TV show and from 2009 to 2015 was head of BBC Radio Comedy. First woman head 
first non-Oxbridge head. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. You know, I know you just touched upon it with Edinburgh. I think Edinburgh is such a weird and wonderful place. And I think it's also, I mean, what do you think the key to Edinburgh Festival is? Not in just, you know, especially in comedy terms, but I think Edinburgh's sort of lost its way, I think, sometimes, because it's so oversaturated. With, it's huge, isn't it? It's a bit yeah, like I mean, how do you think you can like stand out in Edinburgh? things all at once. And um, I think it's, I mean, I, I was quite ill a couple of years ago, so I haven't been for a couple of years, but that's sort of irrelevant. I think it is pretty much how it was. I mean, obviously it's not going to be on this year, which is a great shame. What's good about it, I mean, when I first went to Edinburgh, a group of us from work got on the train to go to Edinburgh, having not booked any shows, and we were looking at the brochure as we went up and marking which shows we wanted to see. And by the time we were there for probably five days, six days, and by the time we came away, I thought, nailed it. I know everything that's going on in comedy now. <laughs> well, you just, I mean, that just doesn't happen now, does it? No. It's just a joke. Um, but it's a brilliant joke. It's one big, brilliant joke, Edinburgh. And um, what's good about it more recently is that it's gone back to the free festival. So yes. for a long time, as I'm sure most of you know, there just wasn't a free festival. And then people started doing it again. And now, I mean... You still have to find somewhere to live and pay for that and, you know, pay, pay, pay. It's not like it's still free or even cheap to do, but it's cheaper than it used to be. Um, do as many people go? Is it the only route for a while? I think it was really a very, very important route. Mm. I still think it's pretty good. And if you are a writer performer to do that hour long show and cut your teeth doing that hour long show night after night for 30 nights or whatever it is, however many you choose to do and maybe less if you do it for free. Um, it's a good, I think it's good. I do think yeah. it's good. And um, I was going to go this year, but obviously can't, but I do, I, as a, as somebody looking for talent, I would, I would still go there. Yeah. And what would make you, what would, what would, if you, were, you know, you do, like you just said, you got on the train, you're flicking through the brochure, what would make you go and see someone in Edinburgh? Well, now, of course, you can't do that. Now oh. you have to have it all booked ages ago or risk the things that you want to see booking out. It's just got to be so big. Yeah. What would make me go and see it? It might be a name that I'd heard of that I hadn't seen enough of them. It might be somebody that I'd already seen do five or 10 minutes, but I wanted to see them do the hour. Because in, if, if it's somebody that I think I might want to work with, even if I know that I want to work with them, I therefore even more want to see what, where they're up to with, you know, what they want to put into an hour, because that's a great starting point for how you then develop that person into you know, a series or where you might go or whatever, you know, seeing you do your play, for instance, that it gives you lots of, it gives me a producer. Yeah. A good idea of who you are and what you are. So, you know, yes, write a great billing, write a great, um, something that's a bit catchy, something that you haven't seen. Yeah. That's so easy to say, isn't it? But something that is probably a little bit personal to you, that you haven't, that it isn't out there already. If you can crack that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, obviously we're in this weird time at the moment, Jane and whatever. I mean, what have you sort of been doing to keep yourself busy over the sort of lockdown period? Well, the company is still going and still developing stuff. So we've had a fair, we've got a fair 
offbeat in development. Sky, one thing with Sky, uh, we're still waiting to hear whether it's going to the next stage, we don't know, but that's been, you know, something to do. And luckily Sky commissioners haven't been furloughed as some of them have. Um, so I've got a few things in development like that for TV. And then um, I've also got a radio series that um, we're in the process of, and I had to find some new writers to work on that. So there's a radio series called Ability. Uh, this is for Radio 4 which um it's now going into the third series and it's the semi it's semi-autobiographical based around the experiences of uh, lost voice guy yes he's so good yeah uh run britain's got talent but we were working with him before that because he also won the bbc new comedy awards mm. uh, when i was um in radio comedy head of radio comedy and i was one of the judges and so I've been working with him ever since and we developed that and I put him together with another writer and uh, we developed a series that's based around, I mean, there's a fictitious character called Matt, but Matt reflects quite a lot of, of, of Lee's characteristics and, and also has cerebral palsy and works and speaks through a voice box. So we've got an inner voice as well. But this time, uh, two series in, we're now into the third series, the co-writer who co-developed it with him is now too busy doing a lot of TV stuff. And so one of the, she's also co-writing what I'm developing for Sky with her. So um, she was too busy to do the third series. So part of what I had to do at the beginning of lockdown was look around and read tons of scripts trying to find the right co-writer to yeah. go with that. So we found some good, in fact, it turns out to be a couple who are quite new um, and have just not, not that long ago, but a couple of years ago, did the um, NFTS course, if any of you know about that. It's not cheap. It's no. not cheap, um, but um, it's good. Yeah. Uh, it seems to be good you know it seems to people and um they met on that and they uh write now together um i could talk a little bit about them actually because their yeah. experience is quite good i think um a i think it's quite clever to find a co-writer um especially in comedy yeah you don't get to bounce off each other isn't it really is and to know if is this really funny or is it I might, or you know, that's that's a great thing. So I think finding a co-writer is good. Equally, um, there is no doubt that in comedy, it's easier to get on if you are a writer performer. Yeah. I'm sorry for the harsh truth, but that is the harsh truth. So if you are a writer who isn't a performer. Uh, teaming up with somebody who you like and respect who is a writer a performer or just a performer is no bad thing so you know there are ways of doing it anyway they met on the NFTS course and they started working together and they very quickly realized that what they needed to do was come up with a killer sample script and then send it around and i don't know actually whether how if that's how they got their agent but they have now got a good agent i think they're with united i can't remember um but in the meantime they sent this script around and they've now got 
um, things in development with five different reputable production companies, developments. I know it's good, isn't it? It is. They, 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 I can't tell you. But also their work ethic is really good. Yeah. If they say they're going to do something, they do it. They send you something straight away. They're, nothing is too much trouble. They're great. Um, and they sent this script around and they've now, one of the things that they've got is there's this thing called Flat Share on BBC Three. I actually don't know what production company make it, but um, it's done, it is a way of using new writers because it's actually quite difficult to go from not very much, whatever you've been doing, you know, they had done, they'd done sketches on Comic Relief and had got massive number of hits for the one that they did with Stephen Hawking. Um, but I'm going with this. So uh, yes, as a result of that, but to go from that to a whole series of yeah. hours or something is big. So flat share is something that um, you can do, you can bid to do. And so they sent in this thing and theirs was quite a um, mainstream, innocuous makes it, it wasn't particularly controversial. It was quite mainstream and it was a kind of, possible romance story and it's got it's open doors for them yeah um and i met them via um they're, they're a man a man called cat and dan and i met cat at a thing called 50 50 if anyone knows about 50 50 which is run by um itv but uh, but they're, it's it's bigger than ITV. They're not just looking for stuff for ITV, mm. and it puts uh, female writers and producers together because it's about trying to uh, bring uh, the number of women working in comedy, both behind the scenes and writing, up to the fifty percent mark. And boy, they got a way to go. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, and that's how I met Cat. Amazing. And then what would your sort of advice be during lockdown for performers, writers, directors, everything? What would you sort of, for them to sort of carry on being creative, I guess? Yeah, I mean, look, there's no doubt it's going to be tough. It's going to be tougher than it was. Not least because um, a lot of the networks have, like Channel 4, have had almost all their commissioners furloughed. They haven't, people haven't been doing anywhere near as much as commissioning as they will have to. So there's a backlog. Mm. And all people like me haven't been able to make stuff. So we've been concentrating more on our development. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot of stuff in development and a lot of stuff waiting to be commissioned. Yeah. However, on the bright side, um, they will have used up, the networks will have used up all the programmes they already had made, yeah. all the repeats they already had, and they will be looking for stuff. Yeah. I would suggest that they'll be looking for stuff that's quite light. And I mean, that doesn't mean to say it can't be. I still think that the semi-autobiographical, there will be a place for it, but I, don't, I think... I think it's going to be, I mean, um, Channel 4 are talking about joy. Where's the joy? Yeah. Um, so I think bear that in mind. Um, and I think, you know, 
look around there are be realistic and look around for openings and keep abreast of websites that that um talk about you know what they want so is everyone aware of the writer's room rep website for instance yeah. um look at that i would say on a regular basis um they uh, you know i'm sure that loads of you are aware but what their kind of raison d'etre is to provide writers for the long-running series like eastenders and casualty and things like that but their brief is to bring in people who the bbc haven't already got yeah and that may be BAME, it may be female, it may be working class, it may be any or all of those things. But they have to, you know, that is their mission. And what they do on a regular basis is do programmes, not, not radio not radio or TV programmes, but, but projects, if you want, for a better, want a better word, where they will pay 10, 12 writers to come on a scheme wow. with them, and then they will tutor you with all different kinds of speakers and help you to hone a script and it's invaluable so definitely look out for that newsjack do people know about newsjack mm -hmm. um newsjack is you know tiny tiny you look at you're talking about sketches but i tell you to get something on to hear your own name at the end of the credits to to find out what works it's great it's a great way in and people have started on newsjack and and moved into really good places so um they start again looking for people in september i think um september the 18th might be their first program i'm not quite sure but anyway if you follow um newsjack at newsjack bbc on twitter you'll find out all about it. I mean, equally follow me on Twitter. I tend to kind of retweet as much information as I can get hold of. Um, BBC threesomes, do we know, do you know about the threesomes on BBC three? Um, Jack and I, are um, Tom and I are talking about, sorry Jack, where did that come from? <laughs> um, Tom and I are talking about one. So, but it's another way, it tends to be more, almost exclusively let's face it writer performer yeah but um it is a way of bringing in new talent and trying out um ideas that you know may the idea is that you do three that are quite different pieces they may have they may be linked in some theme or other and they may then lead to a further commission with that person in that way um blaps on channel four radio uh, shorts on bbc three itv2 uh doesn't commission much but is another place that will think about new writing um channel four new writing um bbc sounds is new um but is now sort of working very much to different briefs but they do claim to be um, wanting to go to more C2DEs, as they call them. So more working class. Um, they, his, um, he, uh, popular is the new radical, is uh, Jason Phipps's 
latest kind of um, mantra. Uh, that he's very keen at the moment looking for something from the gaming culture, if anyone if that appeals to anybody. Um, I scarcely really even know what it means. I mean, just about, but you know. <laughs> um, where else? Where else is good? Podcasts in general, obviously. Um, mm. And spoof podcasts, I think, are probably only just really beginning. Yeah. I could be wrong about that. But There's a lot um, of like, people getting drunk and trying to solve crimes and things like that. That's always, they're, they're a big thing at the moment. What, getting drunk and trying to solve crimes at the same getting time? drunk and then trying to come up with crime stories and trying to solve them is, is, a, is a new thing. But, thing, but then I, the podcast that I love is My Dad Wrote a Porno. That's a fantastic podcast. That's hilarious. Yeah. If I'm honest, I don't quite get it. But I think they're great. I like if the If your dad writes a porno, you want to you read it, don't you? <laughs> so I don't quite get why it's got... I mean, apart from the fact that they're lovely, the talent are very good, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, did anyone ever hear... This was so long ago, but it's worth looking out if you can find it. Um, it was called Why Bother by with Chris Morris and Peter Cook. Have a look and see if you can find it. It was absolutely brilliant. Obviously, it wasn't a podcast because there was no such thing then. It was, and in fact, it was on radio. It was so um, uh, irreverent and uh, sacrilegious and all the rest of it. it actually, it went on Radio 3 because they were the only people who would take it. Um, but something like that, mm. I think. Uh, a spoof interviews where people say crazy things. Yeah. I don't know. I just think there's more, to, far more to be done with podcasts than we've even... I think sketch now. shows have died out, but they've seen to make a bit of a comeback on podcasts sort of thing, is uh, always do good sketches on podcasts, because I think the whole sketch show thing has just died on television. You don't really get it. It's coming sketch. back, actually, Tom. It yeah, is coming yeah. Back. Um, it, it, you're right, it died for a long time and there was a lot of people like me saying, but this is how you start your writers. If yeah. you have sketch shows, how are we going to bring in new writers? And people weren't listening and, you know, it took ages. But now, um, I don't know if you've seen this one with um, Ellie White and Natasha Dimitru. No. Uh, they've got their own sketch show. Uh, Lazy Susan have got their own sketch show. Um, whether or not these have all gone to series, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, Famalan. There are a few things coming along. They are realising now that it, it is a way to bring people in. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Good. And then, obviously, you know, uh, you know, us at Actor Awareness, you know, we're huge on giving, you know, opportunities to working class talent um, and things like that. It's just, what would you say is your biggest advice for people who can't go down the stereotypical route of, you know, drama schools, formal university trainings in some ways. Is there a way that you would suggest people get ways of getting into the industry if you haven't gone through that sort of stereotypical route, I guess? Are you talking acting now or writing? Or... I mean, a bit of both, really. I mean, you know, there's uh, acting predominantly, but then also there's also you can train in drama schools and, and film schools and things like that as well. Is there, is there ways of getting into the industry? without going through those routes? I mean, I've worked with loads of people who haven't been formally trained, of course. I'm just trying to think how I... Um, you, 
you have to have some experience somehow, somewhere, don't yeah. you? So um, write your own thing and put it on. I mean, that's not cheap either, but... Um, I did it and I got you to come down and see it. You did. I mean, and, you know, and, and I know that you were working really hard to get people down. And I, I would say, don't forget that that's really primarily why you're doing it. Yeah. Um, and if you can do that, if you can find a way to do that, Edinburgh Free Festival. I mean, there are loads of festivals now, aren't there? It's yeah, not, yeah, there is. No. Um, you know, the vaults and... All, all, all around the country, there are, there's one in Brighton, there's one in Cheltenham, there's one, you know, there are loads of them. So yeah. um, I would probably think to go that route. Uh, if it's sketch, obviously you can do, um, five, you know, open mic things and five minute things and all the rest of it. Um, yeah, or writing, obviously, then you just, you know, do your sample and send it in. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It's not, none of it is easy. No, of course. None of it is easy. Even if you've been trained, it's still not easy. Yeah. So don't think that, oh, because I haven't been trained, I'm, I'm finding it much harder. Yeah. You might not be, actually. You might not be. Um, I would just do it as much as you can and find ways to do it as much as you can, really. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I know you're hugely passionate about, you know, finding and promoting, um, you know, unrepresented voices and, and, you know, just diversity of voices in general, really. Uh, so when you're, when you're personally looking for new projects, what is it that you sort of look for? When I'm looking for a new project, a writing yeah. project. Yeah. Um, I'm obviously looking for something that I haven't seen before and therefore it's really difficult to define what that is, isn't it? Yeah. And I know everyone says that, but it is true. I mean, it might, you know, I was, it's probably worth sitting around in small groups and trying to work out what it is about your life that is unique to everybody else's life because there might be something there that will give you a way in because in the end that is what people are looking for you know i mean i asked the commissioner at radio 4 i said i was i was doing this and i had to do a different one last week and i was saying to her you know tell us what you're looking for at the moment and she said oh it's really difficult the competition is really fierce. Tell them the competition is really fierce. But I'm always looking to extend the range of voices and stories on the network. Um, we make all sorts of shows, but we're always looking for new shapes that we don't have on the network. And it's easy to say, but it's true. So I think you have to find what makes you distinctive to everybody else. What makes you different? What, what is it that you can write that or perform or, or make that nobody else out there is doing hmm. um and actually the chances are there is something if you've got a writer's brain in you the chances are there is something that that you will find um it's about writing what yeah. you know as well isn't it it's it's, it's, it's definitely about what you know don't go and be writing game of thrones and harry potter in the first what night. You know, isn't it 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's knowing what you know and recognizing what you know. I think, you know, it's good to do that in a group sometimes. I think working on your own can be really difficult. Mm. Um, don't be afraid. And even, you know, when you've got your sample script ready, don't ever send it off without asking a few people's opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, and your first draft is probably just always redraft it as well. Oh, absolutely. You know, you'll have done hundreds of drafts, but in the, but at, you know, at different points, ask people what they think. And another thing about that first script is probably people are quite open about saying that they will probably only read the first ten pages of an unsolicited script. Yeah. So if they then want to read more, fine. But within that 10 pages, you've got to have proved to them that you can write characters, that you can write story, that you can that you know about a plot, that you that you can present them with an idea that they haven't ever come across before in that shape and style. And so, um, yeah, it's yeah. daunting. And what I mean, and then when you're sort of if you've got that idea or whatever and you're finding someone to pitch to, what would be so let's say we've got an idea and you're pitching to a broadcaster, what would be your sort of like go to's on you know do's and don'ts when you're sort of or how do you even pitch to a broadcaster that sort of thing well you're unlikely to be pitching in person to begin yeah. with that's 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 the thing um and you're unlikely to be pitching to the broadcasters actually you are what you're going to be doing is pitching to production companies so what you want to do is to listen and look and what look online to get a feel of who makes something that you like that you think i like them if i like what they're making they may well like what I want to make. So we may have a fit here. Mm. And then you want to approach them. So you want to email them, email them. You don't write to them these days. You email them. I mean, yeah. And then you email them. Um, and you probably put in, um, you know, flatter them. Uh, I love that show that you made. It was great because, or whatever it is, just flatter them a bit, show them that you know who they are mm -hmm. um, and that you are aware of, you know, you'd, uh, you'd be surprised the people that actually, when it turns out, don't even really know why they're approaching people. So, you know, just, just be a bit kind of make a connection. And then you want to just give them a short paragraph of what your idea is. Uh, if you've got any writing credit so far, fine. If you've got anything else to tell them or anything to do with your experience that feeds into this paragraph, then tell them that as well. Um, you know, I won a million pounds on the lottery last year and um, my, my sitcom is um, what to do with a million pounds or how to get rid of a million pounds a year. You, you know what I mean? It's just, and then, so grab them with the idea and then say, can I send you the script? You could put the script in there, but, or you might want to say, would you like to read my script? Yeah. Um, but be prepared 
they're not, they won't at that stage be looking for sample script. If you are an unknown writer, they will be looking for a whole script, yeah. even though, as I said, they will judge it on the first 10 pages. Um, it, that's kind of it at this stage. Mm. And then, then if they like the script, you will get meetings. You yeah. will on the back of that get meetings. And it's something that writers, particularly who aren't performers, are pretty bad at the meetings. But um, we know that. So you can kind of take it into account. But be as good as you can be. Yeah. Help the producer out as much as you can. Have some ideas about where, well, not have some. I mean, clearly you will want to know where this series is going. You might have thought about who your sample cast might be, how your ideal cast might be. You know, you will know this idea in and out. And what you want to do is convey your enthusiasm for that. And of course you will get tongue-tied and of course you'll be nervous, but you know, that's essentially what you are there to do. And equally, and the same with agents, you know, this, the, the, um, the sample is, is also to pitch to agents. Yeah, yeah. In the same way. Um, what would you say that the differences between sort of screen, stage and radio comedy are? Is there huge differences? There are some differences. There are maybe fewer differences than people think, but there are some very important differences. Um, writing for radio is, I mean, it used to be easier to get in than it is, I have to say. The, the, the fewer the openings are in other places, then the more competition there is for radio. And, you know, but nevertheless, it is worth trying and they do commission a lot. Um, it, it pays less. It's less prestigious. Well, no one's in it for the money, are they? So. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it is, you know, if you can get a radio series or even a radio one-off, it's a great way to hone your craft. It's a really good, liberating experience. There are far fewer people going to get... Uh, start interfering with this idea than there are on television. You are pretty much from start. I mean, this series that I'm now doing, for instance, the new writers, um, I had to clear the new writers with Radio 4. And they, the new writers were then saying, and what are the deadlines for Radio 4 to see the scene by scenes, to see the script? I said, no, they will not look. They will not see anything. They won't listen to it until it goes on air. Uh, one person will listen for what's called compliance, you know, just language or yeah. politics or whatever. One person will do that. And occasionally I, I do have things that come back that said, um, oh, Lee's, uh, he, has a, he speaks for a voice machine. And so we had some autocorrect um, things. And there was one where it was, um, it was supposed to say, it was clearly supposed to say fuck, but the, it auto-corrected it to duck. So fuck wasn't even in it, but duck was in it. And then he was cross that it was duck. And uh, I had to take that out. It wasn't even fuck, but I had to take it out. Um, but mostly, you are free to get on with doing what you want to do. And that's great. Um, fewer voices in radio, because for obvious reasons, you can only hear it. So you have to follow everything 
just by hearing it. And you can't go back. I mean, you can these days on podcasts and stuff, but essentially it's, you, can't, you, you hear it once and you have to get the gags and you have to know who it is. So we tend to say it's kind of between two and five characters on radio, whereas it's probably five to eight or more on television. Um, both for both of them, you can get away with few, a few more characters if you're all in one place. So fewer locations does allow you a bit of a bit of few more characters. Um, but essentially, and radio, it's mostly if you think about it, one person listening at a time. Television, we still think of as people watching in groups of people, and you're aiming at a. Of a group of people, whereas radio, it's much more personal. It's mm. a one-to-one. Um, hence, even monologues work well on radio. Can work really well. Mm. Inner voices can work really well. Um, but you have no other clues other than what you hear. So, of course, some of it can come from. Um, the casting, because, you know, it would be my job to cast voices that sound different, but it has to be there in the writing as well. Your characters have to sound different. They have to have different speech patterns and different ways of speaking. So much so that if you covered up the names on the left-hand side of the script, on the right-hand side of the script, you would know who was talking by the way that they're talking. Um, what else is different? Obviously, uh, it, it's cheaper to make and therefore there's not as much restriction on locations. You can go anywhere, but be careful, I would say, of that. You can get some brilliant things that go anywhere, but sometimes I feel that people need a bit more discipline. Don't let it be an excuse for a lack of discipline in your writing. Know why you're going there and know, and if you are going to create a whole new world, know what the rules of that world are. Um, because if you don't know, it will be very confusing to anyone listening or reading it. Um, and you can't do much of that on television. You know, we did get Red Dwarf and that was brilliant. And occasionally things happen like that, but mostly television is slower and more, you know, we have to look at stuff as well as listen to stuff, don't we? It's slower uh, and a tad more realistic, maybe. Um, what else is different? What, let me think. Um, Oh, <laughs> the age of the audience is different for, yeah. certainly if it's Radio 4, um, the age of the audience is different. The average age of a Radio 4 listener is 55, probably. Um, however, that doesn't mean that you can't write what you want to write, but you have to think about how you're writing it, probably. Mm. So, not least because they do look to a young, Radio 4 look to comedy to bring in a younger audience. They are, the hard reality is that Radio 4's audience is dying off at the one end and they need to bring in 
what they call the replenisher audience. Yeah. And the replenisher audience literally replenish the people that die and they come, are brought in, one of the ways is through comedy. However, um, you're still talking about aiming at a replenisher audience who are kind of in their mid thirties. So if you want to go any younger than that, if you want to write about someone who's 16, you probably have to bring their parents into it or their grandparents or think about how the way into a 16 year old for somebody who is older. Mm. Um, yeah, that's, those are probably, I don't know. Can you think of any other differences? Anyone? No? No. I think that covers it. Uh, so the next one is what attracts you to work with a writer slash performer? What makes you want to develop someone's work? Um, is there anything that would put you off? And are there some categories slash genres that you would think would be hard to be developed? That was a long question sent in. Oh, yeah. Should we do that in bits? Yes. Um, so the first one. What, what attracts you? You've already, sort of, mentioned, you've already sort of mentioned that really, haven't you? Say that again. Sorry. What did you say? You've already sort of mentioned what, what makes you want to develop things in someone's work. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly, you know, if it's an original idea, sometimes, of course, there'll be an original idea that doesn't appeal to me. That's the way the world is. Yeah. Comedy is a really, really personal thing, as we all know. To all of us, it is really personal. And uh, therefore, we have to get it. We have to like it. We have to want to do it. The relationship that you will have with your producer is like a marriage. It's really, really important. And so even if it's an idea that I really like and think this is original and I get where they're going. And I, you know, I would then have to meet them and still want to work with them. And sometimes you just don't, sometimes you just don't get on, do you? For whatever yeah. reason. Um, uh, what are kind of, you know, headlines that might put me off are, over arrogance. I mean, you know, you want somebody to be confident in their idea and understand what their idea is, but never, please never over argue small points or even big points without trying to see what the other person is saying and why. Yeah. Because if they are spending time with you, it's because they like the idea and they want to be a in there with it mm. and so they probably the chances are that they have got something worth listening to even if on reflection you can't quite go with it and if you can't quite go with it the chances are that you're not going to end up working together but i've had that where you just in the end go i'm not sure why we met if you don't want to <laughs> listen yeah. um to what you know if you're not interested in what i'm saying then then that's fine but you know um, so that's being, uh, being a bit precious about your work as well. A good writer, a good writer, will, a good writer will always offer you more, you know, five alternatives for every line that you might suggest isn't working. Yeah. That's just, you know, it's, it's a tricky, it's being a writer is, it's really, it's a very difficult job and tenacity, I would say acting too, you know, the, the tenacity is 
as important as the talent and being prepared to do rewrites rewrites is more important than writing yeah rewrite is massive it's a massive part of the job i think that's been a really big thing what we're working on at the moment when you've sent me re, you know to rewrite things has been so helpful in terms of and i, I would because I've never written like that before. I've never had like works with someone where you sort of send something and they send it back and, and to and from. And I think that's a really big exercise for everyone. I think if you've got a writer friend that you like, I would just work together and rewriting stuff is really key. And it's been a really good writing exercise for me and made me a better writer for it, I think. I mean, I think it inevitably would, does make us all better yeah. writers for, for, for having to do rewrites without a doubt. And, um, yeah, and, and what comes out of... I mean, I tend to work with people... Um, I tend to work with a smaller number of writers that we have quite a few projects going to get at the same time. And some of those projects will be projects that I suggest. Yeah. And that I, you know, and then we co-create them and we co-create the characters. And and i love that you know that's that's a great way to work but it it does mean that you have to that writers have to you know it's not like actually to be honest i was going to say it's not like writing a novel i don't know how people write novels i mean maybe they do have editors that they work exactly like that with maybe they do but it it feels much more organic than than that it's not you are not going i have written this here is this now can you put it on please yeah. that does not happen um but what does happen can be a lot of fun yeah um, and i can't stress enough you i mean as you said you know do it for one another form little groups i don't know whether you know god i don't know on data protection protection whether you're even allowed to tom to just give out everybody's but maybe you could ask people you know that for a database of people who were interested in working with other people yeah would i guess be so. a good thing i think i mean for all i found i found twitter to be a wonderful place to collaborate yes. with people that's how i found you isn't it jane and yeah and all of these people in, the, in these q a's i think twitter is a when used in the right way, social media is a fantastic playground for, for writers and actors and directors to collaborate on things. Yes, um, and certainly, you know, to approach, to approach other writers, peers of yours that you just don't know, but you see the way that they're writing and you might Google and find out a bit more that they've done and just see if they want to work with you, if they're interested in, you know, liking, do they like what you've done, you like what they've done and, and just just see if if that can you know that's how um catastrophe came about isn't it famously? yeah she approached him on twitter yeah uh, now i know she was you know she was who she was even then but yeah she wasn't quite who she was even if you see what i mean yeah um yeah and then the sort of back end of that question was was there anything are there any categories or genres that you would find hard to be developed or that you'd sort of stay away from? Uh, personally, I don't love science fiction, but then, you know, that's a crazy thing to say because then you get The Handmaid's Tale and you get yeah. stuff that's just outstandingly brilliant. Um, but I, I find that hard. I'm sure there are other people who do that much better than me. Um, I tend to like stuff that has a 
has um, an element of reality about it um, that comes from a place that is to do with that person. Um, but not always, you know, not always. There's something that I'm developing at the moment that is basically just a comedy thriller romp. Um, and the writing is good. And um, he sent that to me. I met him. Oh, I met him at a writer's room meeting. Okay. And um, he asked me to read his stuff and I liked it and we met. And, you know, yeah, yeah we just, again, clicked in terms of feeling that we could understand one another and work together. Um, what else? What did you say? What was the last bit of that question? No, just, like, just other just things. Yeah. Other things like um, uh, sci-fi is the one that really springs to mind. Um, I think, I think there are stuff actually, and and I think, let's be honest, I am not sixteen anymore. I think there are things that are probably too young for me now. But I think, again, this isn't quite, I don't quite get this in the way that some people might. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then one here is, uh, is there any preferred durations of things? Is it, is it two one-hour episodes, you know, six half-an-hour episodes? Oh, okay. So comedy generally works in six half-hours. That's the go-to default um, way. However, Radio 4 tends to do four half hours just so that they can cram more series in. So we tend to work in fours as well as sixties on Radio 4. Um, and they also have, do you know, do you want, shall I quickly run through the slots on Radio 4? Do people want to listen to that? Um, so on Radio 4, there are three main places where you can hear comedy. 11.30 in the morning, on some weekdays and it, that varies a little bit but maybe I couldn't even begin Tuesdays and Thursdays or you know whatever anyway 11.30 in the mornings that tends to be for a slightly older audience um, however it is where ability started and ability um, even though Lee is actually older in ability the hero is 25 and it's co-starring Alan, Alan Mustafa from People Just Do Nothing uh, who is also you know I think he was late 20s when that started. Um, so it's young. It's young and it's a flat share. Um, it's quite a demanding listen ability because he speaks through a voice box. So he's got a mechanical voice. And in order to um, alleviate that a little bit, we gave him an inner voice, which is so he speaks, you know, he's got an inner voice who speaks in, in a Geordie accent. But you're still trying to follow all these. It's It's... I hope it's fairly easy to follow, but at the same time, it demands a bit of listening. And um, 11.30 is where you will get the, the most concentrated listening, probably. Although, no, that's not true, late night as well. But anyway, 11.30 in the morning, some sitcom slots. Uh, if you turn it on and it's not, you might also find features there and you might also find, um, panel shows and things there sometimes but anyway 11 30 in the morning you will find some um sitcom and comedy drama uh and they they have an audience of about 
800,000 or something like that. So it's, it's a good audience. Mm. 6.30 in the evening, five days a week on Radio 4 is uh, a, the biggest comedy slot that they do. And they play shows, they play a lot of panel shows there that have a lot of stand-up comedians that are worth what, listening to. Again, they might be people that you might want to approach and say, I love your stuff and can I, are you looking for a writer? They may be. Um, and they, it's, they do things like news quiz, now show, just a minute, I'm sorry, I haven't a clue. Some of these things have been going forever, mm. 40 years and more. Um, but they also, in amongst it, launch new comedy shows and they repeat stuff from 11.30 in the morning as well. Sitcom that plays there used to need to have an audience on it, but it doesn't anymore. They're more open-minded about that than they used to be. Uh, Susan Kalman has, has shows there. Um, there was a thing called Party a while ago that was Tom Basden. Um, various things have started there. And they have an audience of about one and a half million, between 1.2 and 1.5 million. Um, and you do know when you've had a show on at 6.30, people listen and talk, about, talk to you about it and, and it's nice. And then, and they're half hours as well, 28 minutes actually. Yeah. And then at 11.30, 11 o'clock at night, 2300, 11 o'clock at night, again, not every night is comedy, but some weeknights is comedy. And they sometimes have a 15 minute slot as well. And it's an, another good place for new writers to think about because one 15 minute or four 15 minutes is much more manageable than six half hours. You know, yeah. it, it's it's realistic way to start. And they'll be more experimental and they might take monologues and they might take um, traveling to Mars or they might, and you know, but bear in mind it is going to bedtime. It is, but you know, you can, yeah, play with it really. Um, but do have a listen to all those things. I wouldn't, you know, don't dream of trying to, make a show for anywhere that you haven't listened to what was going on in those slots yeah at the same time don't be put off by what's been going on in those slots because sometimes it might not be what you want to hear or your cup of tea yeah. but um they're all good places they're all good places uh that's like any comedy though it can not be a cup of tea can it we all find different things funny yeah Izzy Sooty's had a thing, you know, done shows there. Bridget Christie has done shows there. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Mm. Cool. Well, that's sort of coming towards the end of our hour. Now, Jane, uh, as I do every sort of Q&A session, as I sort of spoke to you before, we always like to end on our funny sort of industry stories of the world. Oh, my God. Have you I've had a thing? Have you? Do, is there anything? Do I have a funny industry story? I don't know that I do, really. Uh, it's all funny. It's all, it's all funny. <laughs> it's all a joke, isn't it? It's all one big joke. Um, no, I can't think of anything. I should have thought of someone, shouldn't I? Um, no, I'm. I, what is what is funny in a way is how seriously some people take it, and how seriously <laughs> too many people take it. Really, no, yeah. I don't. I don't, Tom. I can't begin to think of one right now 
Sorry. No, that's all right. Don't apologize. It's fine. Um, well, in that case, and that's the end of our hour. Thank you so much, Jane, for coming on. Um, thank you, everyone else, for coming on as well. Um, please, if you've loved this, again, give us a shout out on Twitter and things like that. Please tag us. Please let us know how you uh, what you think. Um, we have got Vicky McClure on Friday as well. There's already like, it's ridiculous. There's like 350 tickets already sold for that. Um, booked for that which is we're going to end on a big bang by the sounds of it I mean the most we've had in this Zoom call I think is just under 200 so if we're going to get 400 people on this Zoom it is going to be mental but it'll be good fun it'll be good energy um, but apart from that thank you so much guys um, like I said give us a shout on social media thank you Jane for coming on um, good luck with it all good yes. luck to all of you good luck everyone thank you so much and take care have a lovely day See you soon, Tom. Bye. Bye.